and it involves the, um, the, the situation that happened to me back there while I was in the restroom, and then Michelle's testimony. So, so, and this is, so today we'd be talking about love each other. Chris and Joe, stop it, dude. I know it. So anyway, man, see, that's what I mean. Knowing you guys the way I know you because we're intimate with one another, I know exactly what you're doing back here. So you can stop it now. Okay. Man, you've got to choose your words carefully with this group. That's, that's for sure. Oh, my little baby's here. Tate and his friend Mallory, you're his friend. That's my little baby. We used to cuddle. It's true. He doesn't like to admit it, but he loved his dad. Yeah. Oh, I know, but I mean like really. So I got really like spiritually moved and it was you know it's based in emotion most of the time when we're singing but I love that part about how God speaks into my life and when I first got saved and by the way if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior it is easy you simply have to accept believe and confess you have to accept the fact that you need him that there's something going on in your life you can't really maybe even put your finger on it maybe you can put your finger on it Maybe you know exactly the source of your frustration and your, and your weakness and your, your shame and guilt and the way you feel about yourself. Maybe you can't see it really vividly. Maybe you can't. You just sense a feeling. God's speaking into your life spiritually. So you just have to accept that that's going on and that you need a Savior from that and believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess that He's your Lord and Savior. When you do that... The Bible says that you become born again, that you get made new. Most of us, when that happens to us, we don't have, I mean, I've seen it happen where it's just like a flip of a switch. But for most of us, it starts a process, like that's an event. But then we become a Christian, and that begins a process of chasing after this new way of life. And we start getting glimpses, like in our mind and in our hearts, we start getting glimpses of, I want to behave differently. Like, we start noticing things in our lives. And this is not a keeping rules sermon because we don't keep rules. But you will start to notice the love comes down as the Holy Spirit and He begins to speak to your life. And you start having thoughts that you would have never had before that start contradicting your behavior. That's how He works, right? And then we get this incredible choice to believe that God's acting in my life and that I'm going to trust that it is God acting in my life and I'm going to faithfully choose to do something different. I'm not going to go and make a list of the things I can't do and the things I can do because God, that would really put a slap in the face on Jesus if you go out of here trying to keep rules and live a certain way. You, I want you to let go and be free to be a Christian. I, didn't, I, I wasn't planning to do that, but we're driving it home. 
I want us to be free to claim that and to claim what that means in our life. And it does not look a certain way. Like, you don't need to put on certain clothes. You simply need to follow the Spirit in your life. So, this it was going to be all about faith, but we're going to rewind it and make it more about the love thing I noticed in the restroom and then the love thing that I heard going on at Michelle's work, the love thing I heard here that really ended up being a faith thing. So we're going to try to tie those together. And then your mom's deal and the prayer thing, all this is to me makes very perfectly good sense that we need to understand the, the, the commitment and the, what transpired so that we could live the way that I'm explaining. And that all comes back to one thing, and that's the cross. This is all about Jesus. The same thing it's always all about. So, if we're to love, so if Jesus said, first off, they, the Bible says this, that if you come to my altar, this is God speaking prophetically through a person in the Bible, that if you came to my altar seeking me, and you came with you know whatever it is on you that caused you to come to the altar, because as a regular person operating out in the world, you're not going to the altar. You aren't going to do that because of pride and ego. You're going to try to figure this thing out. You're going to try to do it on your own. You're going to try to work your own program. The only time you ever get to the altar is when you're feeling broken. And we know that God says... The only thing he really wants from you is a broken and contrite heart. That's what the word says. He wants us to come to him when we carry a burden and lay the burden at the altar. That's what the Bible says. However, it says something very interesting to me that oftentimes I've struggled with. And it says this, that if you, and I'm paraphrasing because I didn't look it up because it just came on me. If you come to my altar and you hold a grudge, and that's what some translations call it, and you have a grudge against your brother, leave my altar. Leave my altar and go settle the grudge. Then please come back to my altar. But God asks us to not hold grudges. So if we translate that, he says, Jesus later says in the Bible, because that was God speaking prophetically, Jesus then tells his disciples with his own words, with his own words, they ask him, they're in a big argument one day. He's not in the room, you know, he's off somewhere resting or praying and he comes back and they're in there and they're, they're like, it, it looks about like you guys would look out, out there, if, and I'm not singling out the smoking group, but we're out there arguing in the area and we're arguing about whatever. This is what these guys were doing. And he walks into this argument. And they're like, well, ask him. And they say, all right, we'll ask him. They say, what's the greatest commandment? So they're getting back into this law thing. And Jesus makes it really simple. He says, love God with all your heart. And the second one, which is just equally as important, and he doesn't say anything more than this. This is how simple he says it. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if we were to do that, then we would not hold grudge, right? No matter where that grudge would come from, we would not hold. Now, this brings in the, the other part of where I was going to go, and that's the faith thing. So 
Faith, we would have to rely. Okay, so hold it together. This is really helping me today. Man. So if we remember, we were talking about faith. Now we're talking about love your neighbor as yourself to be to love like Jesus loved. Let's think of it like that. And we know how he loved. We're going to explain that in a second. But we all know he loved unconditionally. It did not matter who you were, where you came from, what you did or did not do to him. He loves you. Period. He loves you as much as he loves the biggest saint in the Bible. That's the way he does it. Now, you're not Jesus. (laughs) You hold a grudge. So I guarantee you there isn't one in this room that if we really dealt and digged and looked and pried and looked in there, you've got something going on in your heart. If you can't identify it, it creates other behaviors that could easily be then traced back. And if we traced it back, really traced it back and looked way in there, it's going to be about not loving each other as your neighbor, as yourself. So if that's true, this is where faith would come in. Because here's where I wanted to go earlier. Faith is not magic. Faith is believing in unseen, right? Faith is believing in what we come here and talk about every week. Faith is believing that this says you're something and you say you're something else. Faith would be interacting the power of this and not believing what you tangibly want to believe. It's saying no to the obvious physical the obvious way I've lived my life, I'm a bad mom. It's saying no to that. And it's saying yes to this in spite, in spite of all the evidence. That's what this is. Faith. Now, this is really important for me the way I think. Here's where we got to go with that. Because if you don't, you're going to make it, it's going to spin around And the enemy is going to use what he uses against most of all of us, if not everyone on the planet. He's going to spin this thing around and make it self-centered. So we have to diffuse that. Like, you know, one uh, mighty dog. Do you guys ever remember mighty dog? Man, I love that dude. Uh, (laughs) I mean, he'd run up right before that bomb was going and put it out. This is what we got to do. We got we got to put this thing out because if we don't, it's going to turn around on you and you're going to be like, that didn't work because you're going to try to take your faith and you're going to try to put it into action. Faith without works is dead. The Bible says that. So there's going to be action come of it. But the thing I'm driving at, I'm trying to, and I'm just going to say it, it's not your faith. That is going to ultimately get you to where we're going, where I'm trying for us, we're all trying to go there, right? This power living, this above board living, this living that we would have never lived to this incredible power in our life. The only way we get there is faith, but it's not your faith, it's your faith in God. And then God, if you're willing to be faithful, then God's work can be done. Does this make sense? I hope, because I have to think like this. It is not by your power, 
It's by your faith that the power is released. So we have to believe in the power by faith because to believe in it, okay, if you in the room, and don't raise your hand, but there's someone in the room that has a grudge that just like grinds. Like it's just, like you almost sometimes might even find yourself grinding your teeth. And you like come to, you come to and you realize, I was grinding my teeth. And then you're like, oh, that's, and you kind of dismiss it. You cannot overcome that. You could faithfully overcome it by being faithful to the Word. You can simply believe, I am going to believe God that you said you can relieve me of this grudge, and I faithfully believe that. It's not that that releases the grudge. It's God's power that releases the grudge. It's God's power that fulfills you. Is it making sense? Okay, so you have to be faithful in that. You have to believe it when you don't want to believe it. When your life, when you're a new Christian, it's easy, like, it's like electric, like there's all kinds of things coming at you and you're dropping things off and new things are hindering you and this big battle's going on, but as it wears on, it gets a little more hard to see and the line gets blurred. And the old system, Paul said it like this. Paul said, um, and he's, I don't, I can't get into it, but he, he says it when he's arguing with Peter about Peter starts in, initiating the law back into these people's lives. And Paul catches on. And he's like, hey, dude, you've you got to quit that. You cannot rebuild the old law because that is not what we stand for. You can't make these people put their faith in rules. And he says, rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law that I already tore down. When you become saved, God, through being born again, tears down your old system. It gets tore down. The enemy wants to build it back up. He wants to take what was tore down, and he wants to get his mortar out, and he wants to block you back in. And he starts to try to build the house back around you. The Bible says your house gets swept clean, and you have to put other things in it, or... What was in it will all come back times seven. So the enemy tries to rebuild the sinful thing that was tore down. And by faith, God wants to keep it rubble. And he wants to build something brand new. So it's only by faith. So I got to stop. But listen, I hope this is making sense because it is really encouraging me. Um, There's one guy we started last week. I want to read to you because I started paraphrasing it. Before I do, i got to say this. When we were singing that second song, and I was thinking about how God Jesus loved us, and this guy writes about it. It was so spot on. I'll tell you how he loved you and how he did not, and this was a man on earth now. He was fully man. He was son of God, and he said, I will go and be a man, which is like you being a molecule. Yeah, that's right, right? Like a blood molecule. Yeah, a cell. <laughs> like you being a cell. Jesus comes and be's a man, becomes a man. 
He's fully man, and this guy writes this song, which is true for most of us, and he starts, this is scripture stuff, if you're not aware, that he, he says, I am the thorn in your crown. So he's claiming to be, he's recognizing in his life, man, I have lived so far away from you, why would you love me? I am actually your enemy. Like, I hate your guts. I was the thorn in your crown. They made a crown out of thorns when they were crucifying him. And they crammed him into his head. Like they drove him into his skull. And he wore that until he died. And then, he, then the, the songwriter said, I'm the sweat from your brow. That's when he's in the garden. Right before they arrest him. Right before he's hung on the cross. And he's so anguished over how much he loves you. The Bible says he sweat blood. Like it started, was blood was coming out of his forehead. Like on his brow. And then it says, I'm the nails in your wrist. When he got nailed on the cross, I'm, I represent the nails because I hate you. I oppose you. I never live for you. I put you on the cross. And then it says, and I'm Judas's kiss. Judas was his, one of his best friends. His, one of his top 12 buddies. Spent his whole ministry, lived with him for three some years. And Judas, over money, sends him to the cross and goes and turns him into the authorities. And, he's like, and, and the songwriter's like, I'm all those things. And then he says, but yet you still love me. Is that amazing? It, would that be, a, now listen, would that be amazing that you would em, be empowered with that? Because here's what I believe. I believe each one of us contains the power to be Jesus with all those things from people in our lives that we could actually truly love them because he loved us first. So in closing, here's in closing I want to it's probably if you really get immersed and you really start this transformation and I believe we all this is all happening to every one of us because we keep coming back for some reason. As this transformation keeps happening, you are going to be faced with opposition. I will promise you that. I don't believe for one second it comes from God. I believe it's the enemy enacting, trying to put power in our life to rebuild the old system. He's going to want you to engage in conversations at the water cooler at work that you know aren't right. He's going to try to do all those little things. If we take Job, we ended on Job last week. If we just, and I'm going to paraphrase it again because we're out of time. The things Job went through when, G, when the devil went to God and said, I'll make Job sin. He will curse you. He'll give up his faith in you. He doesn't right now because he's got everything. And God says, all right, well, go try. Have at it. You can do everything except kill him. This is what happens to him. A servant comes to him and speaking, he arrived, I'm going to paraphrase, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. Now, interesting enough, here's what I love about this. The, 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 the deliverers of these messages, Satan is using them in Job's life and they're, they're claiming that his God has done this to him. They're reinforcing the lie that the enemy has told him, that's trying to tell him. And he says, all your sheep have burned up. And still as he was speaking, a third messenger arrived with news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders stole your camels and killed your servants. While they were speaking, another messenger arrived 
Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept through in the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and every one of your kids is dead. Your whole, everything you owned, everything you love, everything you care about is gone. You're only left with you and your wife. You know at that moment, you know at that moment, he was like, no! (laughs) I'll stop. Uh, Job stood up. Now listen, he was, this, this killed this guy. It wasn't like he just like shucked it off. The Bible says he stood up, he tears his clothes, he tears his robe in grief, he shaves his head, and he fell to the ground. I mean, this killed this guy. It was overwhelming in his spirit. He fell to the ground and he worshiped God. How does this... And he says this. I mean, this is in the midst of his tragedy of all... Everything has just pressed him into the ground. And he says, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord God gave me what I have and the Lord God has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Now how... I am not advocating... That there's a Job in the room. Matter of fact, I pray none of us experience that. However, we should take what his, that's why we have this. We should take that into our life and drink it in. And we should let Job spur us along. And when, I say it respectfully, when the petty grudges, some of them are real and very deep, but most of the time I'm operating in the petty zone. You know, poor Todd. When I'm operating in that zone, why don't you give yourself a break, let Job speak to your life, and do something different. Lord, I pray that the message has been heard. I know that I am receiving incredible gift from you right now, and I pray that I would be able to enact my faith and let you work through that, and let us just be reminded of your incredible love. Be with each mother in this room today. Remind them, do not, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the cross that there's not a mother in the sound of my voice that will leave here or spend today thinking they were a poor mother. Give them incredible gift of, of your love in their life and just your reassurance that they're in the right place. In Jesus' name, amen.